Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Blog Talk Radio. Wealthy Sisters, the show that features six- and seven-figure earning women of color, tune in Mondays at 12 New Eastern Standard Time as Deborah Hardnett, CEO of Deborah Hardnett International and founder of The Professional Black Woman, showcase the triumphant journeys of these powerful sisters. You will be inspired, encouraged, and informed every Monday at 12 noon Eastern Standard Time. Our call-in number is 347-838-9278. Today's broadcast is brought to you by www.wealthysisters.com, where the show can be heard 24 hours a day. And now your host, Deborah Hardnett. Well, hello and welcome to Wealthy Sisters, sponsored by the Professional Black Woman Association. You can visit us at www.thepbwa.com. Wealthy Sisters is where we celebrate the lives of six- and seven-figure earning women of color. Our purpose is twofold. First, to inspire you and to encourage you, the listener. And second, to edify, promote, acknowledge, or just say thank you to the sisters for doing big things. I'm Deborah Hartnett, your host, broadcasting live from our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., on the Blog Talk Worldwide Network. Today is Monday, July 19, 2010, and I hope you're as excited about your future as I am because it is very bright. And you know we're here every week at the same time, Mondays at 12 noon Eastern, so spread the word. Now before we go any further, everybody knows has been listening to us since the beginning of January. We must say our slogan for 2010. We're wearing it out. We're believing it. you got to say it with me. Come on, here's to 2010 the best year ever. All right, one more time. You got to say it like you really mean it, like you know it. Here's to 2010, the best year ever. That's right. We're declaring that so. Well, today is another special day. In fact, this is a very, very special month, our one-year anniversary for the show. Last Monday was the official mark, and I tell you, I just want to say thank you to all of our dynamic listeners, all of our powerful guests, and just to each and every one of you all, everybody, just for sending such nice cards, the greeting cards I've gotten in the mail, the notes, the emails of congratulations. I am just so humbled and just so grateful. And, you know, I realize we would not be here if it weren't for you. So we are very, very truly grateful for that. And what we want to do is remind you now, you want to tune in next week as we celebrate with giveaways. So I'm telling you, if you have to work and if you are now listening to our archived show, we want you to figure a way out that you can actually dial in live on Monday, July 26th, because we have a treat for you. We have giveaways, and I tell you, one of the grand prizes that we're giving away, you do not want to miss out on that. So definitely want to make sure you 
you take take advantage of that. Now, you know, we're also in celebrating uh, our year anniversary. We're celebrating the launch of our publishing company this summer, and in conjunction with Carmel Coast Enterprises, the professional black writer, and the Black Poet Circle, Wealthy Sisters Media Group is co-sponsoring a short story contest. It's the first annual of its kind for the professional black writer, and the grand prize, get this now, is one thousand dollars and a publishing deal and there's a lot of other goodies in there as well so what we want you to do is visit www.theprofessionalblackwriter.com that's www.theprofessionalblackwriter.com or go to Carmel Coast publishing.com and you will see the short story contest that's a thousand dollars now but I tell you what I cannot think of a better way to celebrate our anniversary than our very very special guest on today's show i am so in awe and grateful to have none other than miss sheila brooks i want to say she is miss communication herself the legend of communications when I read her bio in a minute, you will understand why this is such an honor for me today. But right now, I need for you to call everyone. I need for you to text them. Tell them they want to dial 347-838-9278. Tune in live on today's show. Also, you know you can remember to always mark us as your favorite uh, there so that you can get reminders of our show. And you can listen on the web 24-7 at www.wealthysisters. That's S-I-S-T-A-S dot com to catch those replays of all these powerful shows. Now, let me introduce you to the phenomenal guest of the hour. Ms. Sheila Brooks is an Emmy Award-winning journalist, entrepreneur, and dedicated advocate for minority and women issues and small businesses. Ms. Brooks is founder, president, and CEO of SRB Communications, LLC, a full-service media and communications agency post-production facility in Washington, D.C., of which they are celebrating 20 years. Wow, how incredible is that? 20 years in business. Ms. Brooks is an entrepreneur in residence in John H. John's. Uh, in, in the John H. Johnson School of Communications at Howard University. Ms. Brooks built a distinguished television career as a news director, reporter, anchor, and documentary producer at CBS, NBC, PBS, and Fox-owned and operated affiliated TV stations across the country. Her more than 32 years, now if you look at her picture, we're going to have to ask her about that. You would not guess. 32 years in television and communication industry has garnered several awards, including 38 National Telly Awards, a National Gracie Award from American Women in Radio and Television, induction into the NATAS Silver Circle, the Emmy Award Hall of Fame by the National Capital Chesapeake Bay Chapter of the National Academy of Television, Arts, and Sciences, two local Emmy Awards, Four local Emmy nominations, a sought-after speaker, Ms. Brooks testifies even before the United States Congress and presents on, on various business and journal journalism conferences, 
schools and universities nationwide. Her entrepreneurial honors include the 2009 Black Rose Entrepreneur Award from New York State Black Women Enterprise, 2008 Top 100 MBE Award, a regional award from the state of Maryland's governor's office to recognize enterprising women and minority entrepreneurs, just to name a few. She is a philanthropist and serves willing on several boards. Miss Brooks is working hard. I mean, she's serious. She's still, she is still learning. She's working on her Ph.D. at Howard University, and she is also an alumna of Northwestern's Kellogg School of Business and Dartmouth's Amos Tuck School of Business. Well, when we come back after this short break, I have the privilege and the pleasure to introduce to you none other than Miss Sheila Brooks. So stay tuned. We'll be right back after this short break. Business leaders, are you ready to soar? Success is not defined by your wings, but by your courage to leap from the cliff's edge and fly. With Fortune 500 expertise, the Beatty Group partners with creative and motivated leaders, weaving structure and innovation for maximum business success. Visit us at thebeattygroup.com. That's T-H-E-B-A-T-I-E group.com. Or call the Beatty Group at 877-264-7699. This segment is sponsored by WillDrake.com. That's www.WillDraike.com. The hot new suspense novel, Bad and Worse, A Tale of Men, published by Carmel Coast Publishing. Sometimes the only way to stop a killer is to love him. Available in stores November 2009. Well, we are live back on Wealthy Sisters. I'm Deborah Hartnett, your host, and our very special guest today is the CEO and founder of SRV Communications, Ms. Sheila Brooks. We definitely want you to visit her website at www.srvcommunications.com. She's located in the Washington, D.C. area, and as you heard from her bio, she is a powerhouse in this field. Ms. Brooks. We want to welcome you to Wealthy Sisters. How are you today? I'm doing just fine, Deborah. Thank you so much for have, uh, having me today. Well, it's an honor, and thank you so much for being here. And we trust that you are having a fabulous day. Everybody is so excited about you being on the show today. Oh, well, I am having a fabulous day, and I am very pleased uh, to be part of this discussion with so many other wonderful women who may be listening in, uh, who I know have always shared their experiences, strategies, and innovations and resources. And I guess that's what we're here to do today as well. Yes, definitely. So, well, we just would love to just get a little bit of background information. You know, here at Wealthy Sisters, our audience is a diverse audience, and uh, everyone are at different points in their lives, but we always love to hear the common threads of our guests and their background. So would you mind telling us where you're from? Well, I was... um I am from Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, I I hear from my introduction, of course, that I have spent a lot of time traveling the country because of certainly um, my work in television news for so many years. And but I was born and raised in Kansas City, Missouri. Wow! Wow! How awesome was that? Now, did you have entrepreneurs in your family as well? Well, you know, it's it's really an interesting story. I can just quickly just share with you. 
um, that, you know, I grew up as a, as a child during the height of the 1960s civil rights movement. I was a child of a single divorced mother um, who was an older woman uh, who raised two little girls from the age of two and one by herself. And we grew up in a very impoverished neighborhood in Kansas City, Missouri. So I didn't come from a, uh, a, uh, a middle class or a wealthy family or a family of entrepreneurs at all. I came from a family of some hardworking folks who uh, really came through the struggles uh, of the, uh, not only the Great Depression in the early days, but the Civil Rights Movement. And, you know, I, I, was, I was raised by this courageous woman who, when she got tired of picking cotton as a 13-year-old during the Great Depression in 1930, she ran away from her, grandma, her grandmother's farm in Mississippi. Um, and... Well, we know our guest had just had a drop. She was concerned a little bit about her uh, phone dropping. She'll be right back on. This is uh, Deborah Hartnett we're holding here on the Wealthy Sisters. Our very special guest today is Miss Sheila Brooks of SRB Communications. We know that she'll be right back. While she's dialing back into the show, just want to let everybody know, wow, you're going to hear the commercial here shortly, but the Winter Summit Conference and Expo, man, we are doing everything this exciting we're so excited our new website has just launched and uh, we're so excited to see that it's at www.thewintersummit.com i do believe we have miss brooks back on the line yes i'm gonna tell you you know what we just experienced live and in color <laughs> that's uh, right of the iphone 4 <laughs> <laughs> that's right. We're, well, that's okay. We 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 understand how technology works here. <laughs> what we do, we do. So, so, bottom line, my story is one of a lot of determination, patience, courageous uh, journey of a, a a mother who worked full time, two full time jobs all of her life, um, and raised some little girls. And um, we are just very, very, very uh, blessed uh, that she taught us the values of education and faith and having faith-based principles. And we, and what happened is uh, she taught us that we can do anything we wanted to do and be anybody we wanted to be. Wow, that's that's powerful. I mean that that is a wealth uh, in itself when you when you have someone that's able to instill that belief system in yourself. Um, that's that is truly a blessing. So when when you were growing up, did you have an idea of, of entering the communications field? Were you always the one that was practicing the Easter speech, or how did you make that transition in your life? You're you're absolutely right. One of the things that happened to me growing up is because, you know, I was raised by this single divorced parent, um, you know, she always had to find things for us to do. The one thing that she made sure that we did is that we sat down and we watched the 6 and the 10 o'clock news every night with her. It was important to watch the newscast. It was important to read the news to us from the newspaper and teach us how to read from the newspaper so that we could know what was going on in the world. And I think that from that, that was the beginning of my um, learning about the news business. And, you know, I certainly, I, I, throughout school, I was always the writer, the reader. Uh, and, yes, you're right. 
I love to present. Put me on a stage and put a microphone in front of my hand and I would talk about anything to anybody. <laughs> what were some of your favorite topics that you would talk about? Oh, my goodness. You know, back in those days, remember now, this was the 60s and 70s. I'm telling my age and telling my story. It was all about love. (laughs) (laughs) That's wonderful. That's wonderful. So you grew up. You're talking all about love. You're doing those speeches and and everything. Where where did you decide to go to college, and and how did that transition occur? Well, one of the things that was happening in Kansas City in those days is that, you know, it was the height of the civil rights movement, um, lots of racial riots. So I did talk a lot about that and how that was affecting us and write a lot about that. Uh, I didn't have a father, um, so that bothered me. So that was something else I could always write in that journal. Um, But my mother, she was a visionary. She gave us that strong academic and religious foundation. So I learned early on the importance of education. Uh, we were bused. I was a part of the busing and desegregation. Uh, we were bused across town to school. And all of that adversity that we went through during that time just made me a more determined and more independent person, a person who felt that, you know, I knew I could overcome those insurmountable odds. And it was the, her her vision to teach us of how that we learned real young that we were driven to succeed and we needed to be educated. And she didn't have that experience about, you know, how to go out. This is a woman who barely had a um, grade school education, but the value that she instilled in us in education, I became, you know, just like I say, the reader and writer. And by the time I got to high school, in those days, we were encouraged to be nurses and mm-hmm. to be um, teachers. But mm-hmm. I knew then I could write and I wanted to be a journalist. Uh, it wasn't until my freshman year in college that I had an English teacher who said, you know what, you're a heck of a writer. You really need to pursue journalism. And that was the person who really pushed me to really do that. And uh, I, I went to journalism school, University of Missouri, ended up graduating from the University of Washington in Seattle and landed my first job uh, right right before I graduated from college. Wow, that is powerful. And, you know, you've said a lot about um, the time that you grew up and what was happening. Um, You were in the process of, uh, I guess, when they began to desegregate the schools as well. Have you, being in that uh, environment, I, you must know that or feel that that really helped to make who you are today, just having that yeah. exposure to that and have more value and appreciative uh, for your experiences and, and your background. How, how do you see the difference in, I guess, our generation and some of the things maybe we, or maybe you might not think, maybe some things we might take for granted? No, I, I do agree with you because I always say that my story, some of the some of what I just shared with you, Deborah, and to the audience is that that story made me who I am and what I stand for today. Mm-hmm. Uh of how I grew up and what I went through then. And it was my mother's journey that I feel soon became my legacy. Um, you know, in those days parents did what they had to do 
to ensure that their children were had the, the, the values, the principles um, to grow up with and, and, and work at it. Um, what I see the difference is today is that so many of our young people, parents, are, I think, are still doing the same kind of job in making sure that the young people have these principles. But so many of our young people take it for granted because they are given everything. Mm -hmm. uh, everything is materialistic. They don't have to work hard for anything. They have lifestyles. The one thing about us baby boomers that I always say is that, you know, one of the things that we were taught is that we had to really work hard. We had they, our parents instilled um, work ethic in us, and that just and, and even though that they may share this with some of the young people today, they don't get it because you know they have to work the nine to five. They have to have the weekends. The baby boomers. You know, what we did then is that we lived to work. Mm -hmm. What the young people I see now do is that they work to live. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. It's okay to do that, but you still have to be able to have um, some good, strong background of education because, and, and the work ethic, and otherwise you won't be able to um, certainly move into the positions that you want or attain the, the uh, career goals at a faster pace that you can. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because of that, that work ethic there. Well, do, do, do you – Excuse me, but I think it's not only just work ethic, but it's also – our parents also gave us that strong academic and religious foundation. Yeah. You know, we were, we were faith-based. Yeah. Um, there's nothing that I have done. I am humbled by what is – my introduction you just gave me, what has happened to me in my life, because, you know, I know that I could not do anything without the faith, the strong faith that I have. And I think a lot of that is missing um, in, in, within um, this, this whole youth generation today. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What, what are some ways that you think we could actually, as parents today and and do, do you, I was going to ask if you had children and, and maybe, you know, what were some of those things that you did to instill in them um, that 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 value, uh, that work ethic, and just having, because we, we know that we can't relate to that experience. Yeah. If, if, if we haven't been involved in something, we can't really relate to it. So it's like the question is how do you transfer that emotion so people can can really have that pride, but no, what yeah. I mean, what do you suggest that we do to implement in our in our lives? Because a lot of our audience they have children and and they're hungry. Um, the the women that listen and the men too, they want to be able to make a change and to build a a solid foundation for their family as well. I you know one I do have a son. I have a twenty seven year old. Um, he is also a broadcast journalist. He is a producer <laughs> in Washington, D.C. I can't, you know, he, said, he swore he would not follow on his mother's footsteps, <laughs> but he did indeed. Um, he did. But, you know, the one, yeah, he did. But the one thing I had to do, and I, I always instilled in my son, is I always shared with him that he needed to establish um, a strong resolve, uh, you know, not only in his professional life, but in his personal life, because your personal life drives you. 
Uh, you have to be strong spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally, and 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 I think that that when you you, you take the time with these young people. I mean, I always looked at the quality time, of course, because I was a broadcast journalist and I went, you know, I traveled across the country. I worked in TV newsrooms. I also made sure that that young man um, was there with me, uh, that we spent the quality time together. You have to, you know, it's just a simple thing. Um, You have to be gentle and compassionate and kind. Um, You have to teach these young people how to handle rejection. Uh, but that's one of the things that, that was most important for my son that I always share with him is he can learn how to care for his soul. Mm. It's important. you got to care for yourself because when, you're, when you can do that and you can be a, a, a person who is tough but gentle, mm-hmm. who is fine but compassionate, mm-hmm. you can be rugged, but you have to be strong. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's important um, that these kids also share with others, uh, that they're respectful. Um, of course, I shared with him the Christianity because I thought that it was really important. But you also have to be able to accept the outcome of any situation, whether it's good or bad, and consider mm-hmm. that, you know, whatever that outcome is, you still got to keep rolling. Mm-hmm. Um, and it might be the will of your higher power. It might be the will of God. And you have to just do what you have to do to get it done. You know, no there are no guarantees. Right, no excuses. Because there are no guarantees in life. Mm-hmm. But there's one sure thing in life is if you give, you will give it back. You will get it back. So you mm-hmm. must give. Mm-hmm. 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 And I think the best, best thing is, no, absolutely, and and I also share it with him, and that's why I think he's he's doing in his career now. He got to strive for excellence, and I share that with my employees, my staff. That's the one thing that we built this company on. You have to strive for excellence. Do the best you can right now. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you have to, you know, you have to stop, look, listen, and then move on in order to win. Mhm, mhm. Powerful, powerful words. I mean, stop and look and listen. Those alone, just taking time to hear what's really going on. What you know, assess your situation. That's powerful, and also mm-hmm. being respectful of others. But I love the fact that you talked about um, being understanding rejection. You know, knowing oh. how to deal with that. I, I think today we have all of these different. Uh, medicines that people are anxiety you know and not to belittle anyone's uh challenges that they face but it just seems just it's so 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 commercialized it seems now that this it's just regular life that we're living and things are going to not always go the way we want but it's okay we keep moving that's right yeah no that's absolutely right because you know one of the things about learning about rejection is you have to Learn how to use it to your advantage. Mm -hmm. I think that that's what I looked at doing throughout my career. Um, And, you know, realizing that rejection is just what you need to succeed. Mm -hmm. Because if it doesn't happen the first time, make up your mind that the more rejection, you know, and that's what I think I did. I made up my mind that the more rejection I was willing to handle, Mm -hmm. the more successful I would be. 
Mm-hmm. And that's just important. That's important in everything you do. Think of this, Deborah. We're business owners. You know, we're we 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 respond to uh, requests for proposals. We go after contracts on a daily, regular basis. Yeah. And more and more and more, time and time again, we are rejected. We don't win that contract. Do we stop? Do no. we stop? We can't. No. We That's have right. to continue to go after it. It's the same concept, whether you're in your professional career, your business career, your personal career. It's mm-hmm. always going to be that. And that is something that you have to learn how to handle because, I, just like I say, you know, you, you have to, sometimes, I always used to share with my son, as you strive for excellence, sometimes you have to stop to conquer and yield to win. Mm, say that again. Sometimes as we strive for excellence, we have to stop to conquer and yield to win. Yield to win. Wow, that that is powerful. Yield to win. Mm-hmm. To win, to win. That is powerful. Mm-hmm. That's powerful. That's powerful. I mean, some awesome words that we're hearing today on Wealthy Sisters from our very special guest, Ms. Sheila Brooks, the CEO and founder, president of SRB, excuse me, SRB Communications. I tell you, uh, we're going to take a short break. I, I don't even want to go to the commercial there. <laughs> oh, man, I, I, I'm just speechless at, at the knowledge and the power that you're sharing with us today. We'll be right back after this commercial. Do you find yourself overwhelmed in paperwork? Are you struggling with administrative tasks preventing you from doing what you really love? then consider hiring a virtual assistant. Call M. Alexander and Associates Incorporated toll-free at 1-877-894-0564 or join them on the web at www.iwillassistyou.net. Calling all authors. Are you bursting with a story that's waiting to be read? Then enter the first annual Professional Black Writer Short Story Contest. Grand prize, $1,000, a publishing deal, and much more. For additional information, visit us on the web at theprofessionalblackwriter.com. Would you like to reach quality professionals? Expose your product and services to thousands on a monthly basis? Advertise with the Wealthy Sisters Media Group. Our packages include both on-air and website banner placement. Call our offices today at 1-800-917-9435, extension 803, or visit our website at www.wealthysisters.com to begin building your brand today. Yes, we are live back here on Wealthy Sisters. We are celebrating our one-year anniversary this month. I want you to tune in the next week to our show, July 26th. Make sure you're able to call in to 347-838-9278. We have special giveaways, a grand prize that you don't want to miss an opportunity to get for yourself. Today's our show, we have our very, very special guest, Ms. Sheila Brooks of SRBC Communication. You can visit her on the web at www.srbcommunications.com. So, Ms. Brooks, you were sharing some fundamental mental principles about life and success, and we definitely want to thank you for that. 
Would you mind just sharing with us um, your journey as a journalism? You were working, we know, for all these major networks, CBS, PBS, Fox. How did you actually decide uh, to step out on your own? Well, you know, um, one of the things, Deborah, is that it was so interesting for me because um, I always wanted to, you know, after I figured it out, to be a journalist, mm-hmm. um, and that was very, very important. Um, and while I, you know, wanted to report and produce and be on the air, there was always something in the back of my mind. I always had this feeling of I want to be an entrepreneur. Um, I wanted to I, I, I wanted to have some self empowerment. I wanted to do some things that I know that my my parents and my mom um, could not do. And it and it was important for me during those journalism years you know, to be part of the community, to inform the community. But I knew that in order for me um, to be to have that self empowerment um, and that I needed to go and be on my own. You know, entrepreneurs are survivors. We're overcomers. You know, we are the people who have endured. And I know the meaning of perseverance. I know uh, a setback is a setup for a comeback. I know that the things that I had done in my career, that I could do better. And I felt that I had really reached the glass ceiling um, in my job. Uh, I spent 13 years in the television newsroom. When I first started in television news and, and radio news in Seattle, Washington, um, I was, you know, one of the first African Americans in the position. I was always, as I moved around the country, one of the first black reporters or first black anchors because this is the late 70s, 80s, so it was a sign of the times. And after I had worked, you know, in all of these, these states from Seattle to Dallas, Texas to Washington, D.C., I, I finally decided in taking that management job that I reached the past feeling, and I was asked to take on more responsibility in a newsroom, uh, and, and, and while my colleague was going to get the big salary and the dollars, and I was doing the work, and I said, it's time for me to go. Because there was no, I was, you know, it was, you know, I had, I was, in addition to managing a staff, uh, uh, producing a uh, documentary, documentary for one of the top stations here in Washington, D.C. Uh, I was taking on the additional responsibilities of launching a daily news show, and there was no extra pay, and there was no, you know, no extra um, resources. So I decided that, you know, every woman struggles with the fact to be good enough, and I always had to remind myself that, I wouldn't be where I was if I wasn't good enough. And if I was good enough to work there, I was good enough to start my own business. So I resigned and I went into for my business for myself 20 years ago. Wow. You just so did you did you just wake up that morning and and say that this is the day, or did you strategize and say I'm going to oh, leave? No, I'm going to tell you. I, I would tell people now, please strategize before you leave. <laughs> I woke up that day, and they pissed me off that day. I mean, it was just the last call. It was the last call. And, you know, when you're the boss, you, there, there is, you, know, you have to manage people. When you're the boss, I'm not only managing people, I'm managing newscasts, I'm managing documentaries, 
you have to make some decisions that if you can't just if you you're not going to do it their way anymore, um, that it is time for you to go. And I woke up that morning and I thought about it, but I called a couple of folks and I called most importantly my husband and I said, you know, when I leave this ministry, I knew then. That's the one thing I did know that. When I left that day, I was not going to go back to music. I was done. I knew that. That was what made me feel really good, even though I feel like I made the decision, um, you know, at the last minute and people called it a rash decision, but I knew that was it for me. And every station in town came and said, oh, come work for us, come work for us. But I figured, you know, I always tell people, I said, I figured I was smarter than everybody in the newsroom. So (laughs) So you could handle it. You could do it. And you know what? That was a part of your journey. So, of course, when we're in the middle of it, (laughs) we're like, Lord, why did I do this? What is going on? Was I crazy? But in the end, again, like you said earlier, you would not be who you are today if it weren't for your experiences. So, but yes, I do understand it is it is great yeah. advice to tell people to strategize. Before well, we strategize before you go. But the other thing I also have to say, particularly to entrepreneurs, you know, and I know it is different from it was from the way it was 20 years ago. But you can't have a full time job in a part time business. It doesn't right. work like. That. If you truly want to be an entrepreneur, then you need to be the risk taker and you need to decide. You do need to plan when you make that transition from the full-time job to the full-time business and plan that out. But you have to be willing to make that transition and and, uh, and there are just people that that just won't. And that's fine. That's fine to be the business owner who's the consultant. It is fine to be the full-time, have the full-time job, and, and have your part-time business. But don't say you're an entrepreneur. Don't say that you right. can create jobs because you never had to not be able to sleep at night because oh. you had payroll to meet. You've never oh. been in a position where you had taxes due. You've never been in a position where you were paying rent um, uh, in a big office space. And you, you've never been in a position where you have had large enough clients that if you don't deliver that moment, that they could pull out any minute. Mm-hmm. That's a different type of business owner. That's mm-hmm. that's a different type of entrepreneur. That's one of the people that are the survivors, the overcomers, yes. the people who have endured. Yeah, uh, I respect every one of those business owners or entrepreneurs. But we have to be we have to be the the folks who um, who can build scale, who can build multi million dollar businesses, create jobs. And contribute to the economy because that that makes you different. That's what's important. Wow, that is is that some of the things that you share uh, on the the with the U.S. Congress? I know you spoke uh, before them as well, and you 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 represent business owners. Are, are those some of the key points that you share? Yes, it is because the bottom line is. For us, particularly as women business owners, as minority women business owners, and as minorities, you know, we create jobs in this country, jobs that not only sustain the individual worker, but that contribute to the economic security of all of our families, mm-hmm. uh, to the economic vitality of the communities, of our communities and our nation. So it is very, very important to know who we are. Um, the growing economic power of, of women and women business owners of color alone 
is phenomenal. And it, it truly, truly indicates um, that there's a continuing and cultural shift of work for women. Um, we, you know, so when opportunity knocks, we got to let it in. You know, the fact is that we as, as entrepreneurs and business owners, we make tremendous contributions. And yet, that's what I do talk to Congressmen about. That's what I do talk to our legislators about. Because it's about time we get recognized for it. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. the research out there alone illuminates that the economic reality that, that we have to, that there has to be a changing conversation at the policy level in this mm. society about women entrepreneurs, minority women entrepreneurs, and entrepreneurs in general. It, these legislators and this, government, and this federal government, they need to continue to provide knowledge, skills, resources to grow our businesses, to help us grow our businesses. Mm-hmm. And more often, we as minority women business owners, uh, women business owners of color, we're, 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 we're underserved. And many times we're ignored. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. And, and we shouldn't be because we contribute as much economically to our community and to this country as any other segment of the business community. Well, you, you, you're hitting it right there, the nail right on the head. I mean, several things you mentioned. Not only are you saying this, but uh, Ernst & Young's um, CEO is saying it as well, that, you know, women are the ones that create the G in, uh, what is it, the GNP. You know, we we are the ones that stimulate it. And, and I remember um, research that was done by the Center of Women's Business, uh, they said that businesses owned by women of color are substantial are a substantial economic force um they they also said the findings were let's see this was underwritten by Wells Fargo but it said between 2002 and 2008 the number of such firms increased by 32% their revenues by a dramatic 48% and their employment by 27% the center estimates that as of 2008, there were 1.9 million firms owned by women of color employing 1.2 million workers and bringing in, get this, $165 billion in revenues. So women of color comprise 26% of all women-owned firms uh, firms as well. And I, and I know it's another stat that's out there that said uh, from, I got it from about.com, that said from 2006 to 2009, out of all, out of, for every five businesses that were created, three of them were created by African-American women. And, that's and, 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 and you know what, all of, those, all of those statistics are absolutely true. I have mm-hmm. sat on the board, I sit on the board currently and have sat on the board of the center for women's business research um, for the last seven years. Wow. Uh, up until two years ago, I was the only woman of color that sits on that board. Uh, there are two of us now. <laughs> wow. Um, and, 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 it, and you're absolutely right. Women-owned businesses grow and create jobs, and we do that through innovation, creativity, all of our technical know-how, hiring, retaining the best talent. But we have to have the resources in order to do that. And, you know, your comment about the, G, uh, about the GNP, uh, the GDP, the one thing that the centers also says, if U.S.-based women-owned businesses were their own country, mm. they will have the fifth largest GDP in the world. Wow. Behind Germany and ahead of countries like France, the United Kingdom, and Italy. 
That is wow. absolutely phenomenal. So it comes as no surprise that when women entrepreneurs are often asked our opinion on the economy and what impact it has on our businesses, that we speak up and we talk about that. Wow. It is, it is very, very important. Um, but, you know, what we have to understand is that the downward spiral in the economy, that's signaling a shift to a new business paradigm. No longer will small business do business in traditional ways. So women entrepreneurs struggle with what a viable business model is, and particularly women business owners of color. So time and time again, you know we've been through this all the time, Deborah. We, we reinvent ourselves. We engineer our businesses. And what we do as women business owners and women business owners of color is we chase the vision, not the money. Because you know what we did early on? We figured out early on that the money would follow us. Mm-hmm. Because what we as women do is we seek our passion. So that becomes part of our success. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when that happens, what has to happen is that women entrepreneurs, we're finding that we have to go back to the basics. Mm-hmm. What is, how do we best cope? with growing our businesses, our clients, our sales. Um, and that's when we have to use our power. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. To use our power. And what are some ways that you suggest that we use our power? Well, I think that, you know, there's a couple of things that we have to do. Um, I think the first thing that we need to do in using our power is, is uh, the power of innovation. We have to be innovative because, you know, it's common knowledge that revolutionary ideas, they, they always become successful and profitable. People become successful and profitable when there's vision, when there's a strategy, when there's a clear destination of where you want to go. Mm-hmm. What I feel with, 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 with women business owners and, and, and others is that, particularly now because of the, the economy, we have to be innovative because we have to stop selling what you have. Start selling what the client needs. That's power. More often than not, okay, more often than not, you know, we have to create opportunities that are going to result in new business. Mm -hmm. Um, Small business owners have to have the, you know, they have to have the capacity to to take these ideas and to really pursue them more quickly, uh, to build some new, fresh teams on their staff or teams of strategic partners, um, that's innovation. And then I think secondly, uh, creativity is, is very important to being powerful because in being creative, you have to have the strategies, you've got to be consistent, there has to be structure within your organization. It's all about strategic business planning because I still believe uh, that strategic business planning is the um, is the key to real success. Mm-hmm. I always tell people, plan your plan to plan, plan your work, work your plan, because if mm-hmm. you don't have a plan, mm-hmm. um, all you're doing is shooting from the hip. Mm-hmm. So I think that innovation and creativity certainly are um, very, very important goals to have for winning contracts and creating wealth for women entrepreneurs and women entrepreneurs of 
wonderful. That's outstanding. You're so right. I mean, a creative approach is what we always have to have because whenever, like you talked about earlier, we get those rejections. We're going after those contracts. We're going after those deals. Well, when one season ends, we might thrive in this uh, industry, and now things are changing. Like you said, it's a shift. We have to begin to figure a new way to create that revenue. You know, I always say we're, we're either multiplying or dividing, figuring how to multiply what we have and dividing what we have to, to multiply what we have. So, you know, that's, that's powerful. Well, you are hearing it today. We have a few minutes left in the show, about 10 minutes. Our very special guest, Ms. Sheila Brooks of SRB uh, Communications. She is dynamic. When we come back after this short break, I, I would just love for you to share with us um, what the Tuck School of Business, that Amos Tuck School of Business is all about, and Kellogg, I always hear about it. I, I had the privilege of attending the WeBank Conference this year and had never heard of that uh, program, so I'm, I'm not certain how many of our audience members um, that are not aware of it, so if you wouldn't mind sharing that as well when we come back from this short break, our special guest today, Ms. Sheila Brooks. Are you seeking stronger partnerships to leverage your strengths? Need to develop more winning strategies of success? Ready to increase your knowledge in the areas of investing, marketing, health and wellness, and the Green Initiative? Then join us for the second annual Winter Summit Conference and Expo, March 18th and 19th, 2011. Meet hundreds of professional women from all over the world who provide savvy advice, practical application for winning women. Reserve your space today at www.thewintersummit.com or call 1-800-917-9435, extension 805. Yes, this is Deborah Hartnett, and we are excited about the Winter Summit. The dates are March 17th through the 19th, 2011 at the fabulous Hyatt Regency in the Baltimore Harbor. We want you to know now that we have just added an extra day, yes, the 17th. We've added a vision cruise. We're going to cruise on the Harbor Network, have some of the top business professional women there doing Q&A on how to start businesses stories. It's going to be a fabulous event. And then we've also added the Millionaire Luncheon, of which we're trusting that our guest, Ms. Sheila Brooks, will be able to participate on that panel of five dynamic millionaire sisters who have made great strides in, in the business world. So we also want to celebrate our new website. I want to say special thank you to Miss Sonia Williams of Shock Theory. Boy, when I tell you this sister is bad, she, her title is the bad girl of uh, social media. She is bad to the bone. You definitely got to check out the new website, www.thewinners.com. Summit.com and register because early registration ends on July 31st and the early bird really catches the worm. And when you hear the rest of the announcements that we have for you, what's in store, I promise you, you're going to wish you got your ticket by July 31st. So again, go to www.thewinnersummit.com. And we're proud to say that Upscale has come on board as a Sponsor, and we have many dynamic more to come. So back to our fabulous guest today, Ms. Sheila Brooks. You were sharing about the business trends and how important it is for us to be creative, to be innovative. And and I see just from your bio, man, you have a extensive background, uh, not only just in the professional end, but as far as preparing yourself and getting the proper tools. 
Would you mind sharing with us um, more information about what is this Kellogg School of Business and the Amos Tuck School, and why should women business owners be interested in that? Um, the Tuck School of Business and 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 the um, Kellogg School in Northwestern Tuck is at Dartmouth uh, in New Hampshire, and Kellogg is part of the School of Management uh, at Northwestern University in Chicago. Uh, they're simply executive education. Uh, it, it brings together a group of thought leaders uh, from across the country, um, primarily business owners. Uh, I'm a, I've always believed, uh, been a believer, and I guess that's why I'm pursuing my Ph.D. right now at Howard University, is that, you know, as business owners, we need to be lifelong learners. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how we are able to grow profitable businesses and sustain and in doing that, you need to be around those thought leaders that can um, that you are able to share experiences uh, with uh, on how to grow your businesses profitably, how to manage them. Uh, you you are there with other business owners from across the country where you can share experiences and that you learn. Uh, from that. So I think that being engaged in those kinds of executive education programs uh, are very, very important. It's really tough, though, for to invest uh, in an education. But when you do that in, in, in education like that, but you're investing in excellence. It costs dollars, um, sure. It takes time out of your business, sure. But you have to figure out what is going to be best for you in order for you to continue to excel in your business. Mhm, mhm. That's 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 powerful. That's powerful. And what 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 made you, I guess, decide to actually um, go to those particular schools? Well, those are those schools were are are the two leading um, universities in this country that have executive education programs that are primarily um, driven uh, by um, the, the whole entrepreneurship curriculum. Um, so, and they are also, just so you know, are also very much promoted by the National Minority Supplier Development Council. Uh, the National Council is a corporate organization, but what it does is matches MBEs with major corporations across the country so that we as MBEs can do business with major corporations. And they certify us as minority business owners. So, of course, throughout that certification pro- uh, process and being involved with the Minority Supplier Development Council in your own region, um, there's the encouragement for many of those councils to be part of that. I've been a longtime member and MBE of our Maryland District of Columbia Minority Supplier Development Council, which is, by the way, uh, a similar organization as WeBank. WeBank certifies women business owners. The, the Minority Supplier Diversity Council certifies minority business owners. The NMSDC has been around for uh, probably 35, 40 years. Uh, WeBank's been around for maybe 12, 13. Um, the difference for us as minority and women business owners, yeah, it's great to be certified with both, but the fact of the matter is to be certified as an MBE, as a minority business owner with the National Minority Supplier Development Council, corporations can only count you one time. So when you walk in the room and they see African-American woman, you are an MBE. Uh, okay. You're a minority business owner. You're not just a woman business owner. 
Okay. Uh, so I'll be certified as an MBE, so I don't choose to be certified as a under WeBank because, just like I say, I do business in corporate America. They only take out me one time. Okay. 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 I ha- I got you. I got you. So it gives you a broader a broader spectrum. It gives, it gives you a broader base. It's great for those women, I guess, who are certified by both. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you can play in both arenas, but the fact of the matter is, if you're doing business with a major corporation, they're either going to count you as a as a woman business owner under WeBank or as an MBE under the National Minority Supplier Development Council. I guess I'd like to make sure that those numbers about minority women business owners are 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 increasing, and we see that they are. So I'd like to be I personally I like to be counted as an MBE as an MBE. Now, through that process, it wasn't a long process to get certified? Oh it, it's a very long process, and it's not just, it's a long process, but it's, it is a, it, it's a lifetime process. Uh, once you're certified, that's not the end of it. You have to recertify, depending on what municipality you're certified in, or what government entity you're certified under, or what corporate entity. We bank and the National Minority Supplier Development Council certifies you to do business with corporate America. Then there's, of course, the 8A certification with the federal government or the DBE certifications or MBE certifications within your own state, local, county municipalities. So, you know, I have 14 certifications. Uh, I've been certified as an MBE for 16 years, but it's an ongoing lifetime process. You have to renew every two to three years, depending on your certification, depending on your municipality. A lot of people don't like to get involved in all of that. It's a lot of paperwork. It takes a lot of time. But I have to count my blessings because the majority of my business over the years has come from federal government contracting or government contracting. Uh, and it's because of, it's not that I won those contracts because I was certified, but it did let me in the door um, and play. be able to play the game, yes, and to mm-hmm. to have a, to be able to play. Mhm, mhm. And and that's what you're that's what you're talking about today. All about mm-hmm. preparing yourself to so that you can at least come to the table. If we if we're not prepared, mm-hmm. we haven't cooked anything, we haven't gone to the grocery store or harvested anything. Then how can we go to the come to the table? So we have to have those two in place. Uh, to do that. Well, we have two minutes left in the show. I tell you, it's just been an awesome treat having you here, and we thank you for the powerful information you're sharing with us, Ms. Brooks. What is next for you? We know you're working and finishing up your Ph.D., but what do you have coming down the road? Oh, you know what, Deborah? I tell everybody I'm on my exit strategy, which everybody should have. Uh-huh. If you are in business, you should have an exit strategy. Uh, I've been doing business 20 years. I don't plan to do this when I'm 60 years old. Uh, I do plan to continue to give selfishly to my community organization, to stay connected to my faith, my family, and my community. And I can do that in so many other ways. Um, My plan is to uh, build the business uh, to a point where I can walk away, and and at some point the business doesn't become – I can still be a part of it, but it becomes the brand of Sheila Brooks. Well, I'm yes. an expert in, in giving the advice like I've done today on this show and in so many other um, arenas where I 
speak. I'm in the midst. I am finishing up a book now that should be completed by the end of the year. I want to do more speaking engagements. Uh, continue to work with young people, encourage them to become entrepreneurs. Um, it's important for us to pass the wisdom on to our children, to our young women, um, so that they can have a very successful journey as well. So my, what do I want to do? I want to be able to leave a legacy. Oh, that's powerful. Well, you have already started that. We thank you today to our awesome guest, Ms. Sheila Brooks of SRB Communications. You can visit her there at www.srbcommunications.com. And we're trusting, we're crossing our fingers that she'll be able to be at the Winter Summit next year and with her with dynamic book. We can't wait to see that as well. And we want you to tune in next week as we celebrate our anniversary, well, anniversary show with our very special guest, Ms. Sonia Williams of Shock Theory. Uh, definitely want you to tune in. We want to thank each and every one of you all for listening today. Thank you to our show producer, Ms. Jocelyn Harrison, and definitely continue to make it a powerful, super fantastic day. This is Deborah Hartnett signing out, and we will hear you next week. Have a wonderful day. This has been another episode of Wealthy Sisters, brought to you by the Professional Black Woman Doctor where success is inevitable. Join Deborah Hardman, our host, next week as she interviews another powerful, positive, progressive, wealthy sister and visit us on the web at www.wealthysisters.com. See you next time. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.